0: This week on the Koshcast, McTominay and Aubameyang save their respective incompetent managers as fans of both clubs look at their teams and think, you aren't the same person I fell in love with. In a tale of two cities, Leicester and Manchester keep winning, Spurs and Chelsea leave their fans grinning for this week at least, and Steve Bruce cancels training. What a beast. All this and much more. And welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Bernie is here. Hello, hello. And Mohanad is here. Hello. Mohanad, have you finished adding uh, Saka onto your fantasy team?
1: Bro, it's, it's genius. He's 4.5 and nailed on starter for Arsenal. What more do you want?
0: <laughs> nailed on starter. The definition of that has changed recently. How are we all?
1: Uh, good, good. Um, I mean, yeah, good. Until we get into this, good.
2: Okay, Bernie? Uh, the week is not totally ruined,
0: is, is how I would sum it up. Well, it's not bad for a Monday, I suppose. Um, all right, let's, let's get into it. And, uh, and where better to start than with the team who could very soon field an eleven that includes Laka, Saka, and Xhaka, Arsenal and Manchester United. Um, one one, uh, by all accounts, a horrendous game. Thoughts?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was watching the first half, and I thought, honestly, like through the first half, I thought these are two horrendous teams. Like I I I was watching it, thinking this is this is a really bad game. Two teams that are s- just not on form. There, you know, the history there of the of the fixture was just not there. Like it was a team game it could have been between anybody It could have been Brighton Aston Villa for all I cared the first 40 minutes or so were underwhelming to say the least
2: yeah I I have to agree it was one of the worst halves of football I've seen in a you know this season and also in the history of this this fixture that since we've been uh, you know watching football it was so so poor no quality whatsoever um you know, it was actually pretty sad. That's that's how bad it was. A McTominay goal, to you know, a good goal, but you know, you almost didn't feel anything when the when he scored because it was
0: just such a bad performance overall. Is anyone really surprised, though? I mean, th- these two teams have been pretty terrible for the most part this season. Glim- like both have shown glimpses um, of quality, but not much. And going into this. Everyone said that Arsenal were favourites and they should have been. But as, as, you know, before these games, we always play like emotional protection um, uh, banter. Where, uh, Bernie, you say Arsenal are going to win. We say, no, nah, United are going to win. Um, you know, somewhat to protect ourselves, but also somewhat because none of us have any confidence in our teams. I said to you, like, Arsenal don't beat Manchester United away. We just don't do it. And so Mohamed... Did you have any confidence that this Arsenal team would go to Old Trafford and and win, even though Arsenal have a better team, arguably world-class attacking talent, and and Manchester United are in shambles?
1: Well, it, it depends on how you look at it. Did I expect us to win? No. But did I expect us to go there and be much better than United? Yes but it didn't happen. You know, like, I know sometimes Arsenal versus United, Arsenal can play very well and it's just this curse where they just, you know, don't beat United. I can accept that once in a while, but what I don't accept is us going there with, on paper, what is a much, much, much better team and playing this cowardice football that I saw in the first half. Like, you know, we, we went there and we sat so deep when United had the ball. Every time Saka and Pepe... Um, were kind of afforded a chance to press, they intentionally decided not to. And it was extremely obvious that they were asked not to overcommit. And Arsenal just sat there with a bank of five in midfield, leaving only Aubameyang up there uselessly. And it was just really disappointing to see that kind of coward. this football from Emery once again, when we know that we are supposedly on paper favorites in this game by a mile. Um, And... You know that that's what really got to me. Was like I didn't even care about the result of this game. I didn't care if we were going to beat United or end the curse or this or that. I just wanted to finally see Emery learn something from the last eight games or whatever it was of the season and realize that Arsenal are only useful when we're on the front foot, pressuring, creating chances and trying to win three two. But trying to win a game one nil and keeping a clean sheet is just not going to happen. And you know that's what really disappointed me. And when you say world class talent, I am so sorry, but I I'm so close to throwing the towel on Pepe. Like, I'm like, you no, know, like this is Gervinho levels we're seeing now because this has nothing to do with goals or assists. I don't want any of that. I'm talking little things that I look for, you know, the touch, the confidence, the decision-making. There was that one pass on the attack to Saka out wide that was horrendous, as in, like, n- none of us would make that pass. Like, it was just... It's really starting to get worrying, like his mental state, his confidence, and his ability when he doesn't have acres of space to run on in League One.
0: Bernie, you're a huge fan of Pepe. Defend him.
2: Uh, no, I, I was <laughs> a huge fan of Pepe. I no longer am a huge fan of Pepe. Um, of course, it's early days, so we'll see what can happen. There's been lots of players who've come you know, and shown up after performing worse, but then again, you know the performance today was horrific, and it's been horrific all season. Axel Tuanzebe is not a left back. He's been playing um, on the right. Well, he's been playing centre back, and at times he's played on the right. Left back was the first time he's ever played there, and he absolutely owned Nicola Pepe every single time. It was unbelievably, it was unbelievable that that was allowed to happen. And <clears throat> in terms of, in terms of the the. Uh, attack obamiang had literally no help whatsoever saka tried a little bit but obamiang had nothing to do except for when unfortunately tunze made a mistake and gave arsenal a comeback goal but on in, in terms of the tactics of this match I, I thought our Arsenal were cowardly. I thought you have the better team overall and you would think more creative pieces, except for the fact that no single creative player in the midfield except for Guendouzi was on. So they ceded possession to United, and that's how you actually want to play this team. Now they want to counterattack. But then we saw United scored off a a attack, and Arsenal cannot defend the counter to save their lives. Xhaka almost committed murder on Lingard in the process. And the ball came out to McTominay with a great strike. But then again, Captain Xhaka ducked when he should have stayed firm. So he committed two potential errors. Well, one error and another potential error in one move. And this is supposed to be the engine room of the midfield? Man, no wonder this game was so trash. Uh,
0: I want to make a, a couple comments on that. One is, um, I, I do think it's a little bit harsh on Xhaka. I mean, the shot was... From a few yards away, he was going 100 miles an hour and would have taken his head off. And that's why I really wish he'd have put his head in front of it, because had he done that, he'd have never had to play <laughs> on Um, Nicolas Pepe and Axel Twanzebi, something that I want to tentatively give Solskjaer some credit for is we all thought Twanzebi would, would start at right back and young left back, and it was, it was the opposite. Um, having, I mean, they're both right-footed, but having a right-footed left back uh, against Pepe makes Ton of sense because he only comes inside. So if he's coming inside onto your stronger foot, you're in a decent position. And, and so they did really well. You're right. The Arsenal midfield, three defensive midfielders, like as Mo spoke about, as you spoke about, no link between midfield and attack. And we all looked at the lineup before the game and said that that would be the case. And Emery adjusted it at half time, taking Ferreira off, who has been useless for quite a while now. it's it, Now it's starting to really get worrying and bring on Ceballos, and Ceballos was bad too, but at least he was an attacking midfielder who was supposed to link midfield and attack. Um, and we've seen so much of it this season and last season from Emery, where he gets it wrong to start with and changes it later. And yes, you have to be able to look at something and see that it's going wrong and adjust it. But at some point, you have to get it right from the start, no?
1: Well, the, the, there's a few issues I have here um, with with Emery's... Just in general. So first of all was was Ozil. Um, there's this clear media thing going on where the club, I don't think it's just Emory, I think it's Emery and the club are trying to push Ozil out. And we've seen the loan rumors in January and we've seen all these situations. And um, I think it's, it's intentional, you know, playing Ozil in the... Um, League Cup and subbing him off in the League Cup and then not even taking him to Frankfurt in Europe and then not taking him on the bus this time are you I mean yes we, we could all agree or disagree on how effective Ozil has been for this team but surely he's not bad enough to not even make the substitute bench when you have seven people sitting there um, including a lot of youngsters so that's clearly just a just a PR plot to try and get him out and then you know you don't start with Ceballos if and when you don't even take Ozil and you play that three defensive minded or sent at least at best center midfielders and you get no creativity whatsoever so what happens What Alex talks about is that Emery sits on the fence he goes okay you want me to play 4-3-3 I'll do that I'm gonna have three attacking players up top in Pepe, Saka and Aubameyang but I'm gonna counter that by having absolutely no link to give them the ball so what's the point like there's no point of playing three attacking players up top if the two wide men are not allowed to push and they have no number ten to link them up. It's just it's cowardice in the in the sense that he almost doesn't want to overcommit, but he also doesn't want to you know defend too much and therefore just become this average, null, useless state where nothing is happening. We're just playing in midfield uselessly all the time in every game so far this season.
2: In in respect to the to the notion of of cowardice, a lot of United fans wanted. Solskjaer to go with a 3-5-2, especially if uh, Wan-Bissaka was going to be out, which we heard about earlier in the day. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised because he's gone 4-2-3-1 the whole season. But considering that Arsenal are a terrible defensive team, considering Mason Greenwood has scored two goals in two and Rashford has been in terrible form, leaving Rashford as the only striker up front, A is stupid because he doesn't know how to link up play anyway but leaving the attack in his hands was never a good idea to begin with. Pushing Arsenal back with a high press, you would still have the same effect, but then you have defensive solidity when they only have um, basically an ineffective Pepe and Aubameyang, who is a world-class striker, but if he's starved of the ball, nothing you can do. So, I mean, I personally think he got that wrong and should have gone with the back three and pushed high, but then again you know united probably did enough in terms of chance creation to win this game but as usual one goal is not enough for my united in a game and we all know that they can't finish leno had some great saves um i thought the save from um rashford's free kick maguire there was another save from someone who i can't remember um pogba went close mctominay had to score an open header it's, they just exposed the tre- terrible, terrible Arsenal defending time and time again. Meanwhile, Arsenal really didn't do anything. Saka should have scored, if not for Lindelof, but that was it. The, other, the goal was a giveaway, uh, except for that. This was, Arsenal, to me, didn't really show up, and I agree, that's on Emery.
0: So, so we all have incompetent managers, is that what we're saying? Fair, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I am, I am now firmly in the camp that Emery is not good enough for what I believe is is a big club like Arsenal. I don't I think he's too negative. He's too conservative. Um, he doesn't understand you know he's used to the Sevilla business and he, this is why he also relatively failed the PSGs that he is too conservative to be a manager of a big, big club that has to be on the front foot, that has to be attacking. Um, you know, this is kind of similar to why Mourinho or even a little bit Van Gaal could have failed at at United because they also went way too conservative for such a big club with fans that want to watch good football. And obviously, we want to win. We all want to win. But a good manager that deserves such a big job is one that can win with um, that kind of attacking flair football that the fans also want to see. And yes, once in a while, you know, you come up against the Liverpool or the Man City and you have to go slightly defensive, that's fine. But, you know, not against the Watfords and the Burnleys and, United's in in, in this form that they're in, and that's just not good enough for me.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, Just just because I don't know that we're going to have time to talk about La Liga, just in case we don't, um, everyone probably saw Santi Cazorla's performance um, recently for Villarreal, his his rocket goal um, against, uh, who was it? Was it Barca? Yes.
1: Agreed.
0: Oh, Barca. Arsenal had that player. Arsenal had that player, and he's at 34... Still a mile ahead of any midfielder that Arsenal could play. It it just baffles me every day.
1: Well, we also just have, wanted to throw that in. We also had Aaron Ramsey, who apparently, you know, is starting to really find his feet for Juve, already scored. Their fans seem to be plotting him on, on Twitter. We also had that guy. So, you know, there were a few people that, that were let go way too early, especially midfield, especially when you see that their placement is someone like Shaka, who, you know, after being made captain, is now pretty much um, a starter every game. But you know, you see people like Willock come in and Ceballos come in and Arsenal just look infinitely better with that kind of energy and youth on the field. I just don't understand why Emery loves starting someone like Shaka so much. And people are like, oh well Tierney's gonna come back and Bellerin are gonna come back and everything's gonna change. It's not gonna change. When your team is set up so defensively, it doesn't matter who's on the field. I mean, you looked at Pepe and Saka, they weren't allowed to go past the halfway line when we didn't have the ball. So that's not gonna change when better wing backs are there or better center backs. At the end of the day it's a tactic and it's it's instructions from the manager that will you know will will be effective regardless of the players.
2: One thing one thing I want to touch on before we move on to the next game is VAR. I thought that in one respect for the Arsenal goal I thought it was good use of VAR. I mean you you can argue that the ref blow the whistle whatever the the flag go up don't care you play until until you're sure. That's how I see it. So I think that was pretty good use. But I'm not sure whether i mean whether you think it's a penalty or not is not the point but the class match handball and there was another handball for i think a breakaway that was stopped by david louise and i just thought isn't the point of var to check it because it didn't they didn't check either of those and i'm 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 just not sure what you're supposed to do if it's a penalty claim surely you check it at minimum
1: well we, we've We've been through this before. You know, all VAR does is make sure that the referee didn't make an obvious mistake. That's it. They're not saying that the referee didn't make a mistake. They're just saying that the referee didn't make an obvious, irrefutable black and white mistake. So until that's the call, like the offside today was, you know, black and white, then um, actually that is a weird one. We've spoken about this before where an offside, sometimes of the game I mean, we have seen the Tottenham game, they go down to the millimeter, even though that is technically not an obvious and clear mistake. So, you know, offside is I think the only rule in football that is black and white, nothing else. And the ball being like over or not over the line. Other than that, free kicks and handballs and penalties and 50 fifties and all this stuff is all just subjective.
2: So well, see, this is where I'm getting at with that because the handball rule was amended, and we saw VAR come into play with City and Spurs, right? And the handball rule was amended in, to, in the Premier League, at least by the IFAB directives, that that Kolasinash incident is a handball the same way the incident with Kempembe in the Champions League is a handball. That's just me. I don't, I don't care about it in terms of the context of the game because I think both teams are trash, but I'm just not sure what they are checking and what they are not checking, because if they're going to check the Kimpembe one, right, as in Champions League, and we've seen multiple times in the Premier League this season, they've given penalties for handball after VAR call. How do they not check it? How do you know it's clear and obvious with a handball like that if you don't check it? That, that's the part I don't understand. What's
0: their directive on that? I got nothing on it. I, I wish VAR hadn't happened. It, it's ruining football. You,
2: you know, I used to love VAR, and, and I told you, you've heard me talk about the World Cup. I'm, I'm completely against it now. If if VAR is still gonna get things wrong and we're not sure what's clear and obvious, then screw it. Let's, yeah, let's go back but, the Way. It was. But the
1: alternative, the alternative would be us, I mean, just to play devil's advocate, would be us sitting here talking about Aubameyang being four yards on side and the referee giving it offside. Right?
2: But that's no better than uh having the fourth official on the side or the, or UEFA having that that linesman behind the goal because they still get the same amount uh, of decisions right or wrong in a game.
0: Yeah, like before VAR, they got, what was it, like 97 point something percent right. So VAR was instituted because people couldn't <coughs> tolerate the last few percent. Uh, and this is the price we're paying. I don't know. I'm not sure it's worth it. Anyway, we should move on. Um, we don't usually talk about them unless, unless they've done something incredible. But Leicester smashed Newcastle. the other day. Now, admittedly, Newcastle had a man sent off early on. Isaac Hayden nearly snapped Dennis Prey in two. Um,
1: Disgusting.
0: It was a horrendous horrendous tackle. I can't believe they they even complained that he was getting red-carded. He's lucky he didn't go to jail. Um, But Leicester, and I know, Bernie, you've said that you think they'll fade away, and I tend to agree with you. But just in contrast to Arsenal, to Manchester United, given that they don't have Europe to contend with, can Leicester... Keep this up and nick a top four, five, six spot because they look an infinitely better team than Arsenal, Manchester United at the moment.
2: I think that um, they have a manager who knows what he wants to do. Um, they have put together the right team, and that they have a structure in place with a great director of football and scouting network that brings the right players in. Yeah, I think people have really underestimated that structure that they've had that brings in the Contes brings in the Mares, You know, gets freaking jamie Vardy from fleetwood town or wherever he came from right that gets pratt that gets so Chu, all these guys people underestimated that you can have as good a manager as you want but that structure is there behind them so credits to them will they do it rest of the season maybe you know maybe they will we'll we'll see um Mm -hmm.
1: I think in in Brendan Rodgers they really made a fantastic appointment you guys you know you'll I think I think you'll back me up here when I say that Brendan Rodgers was a better manager than we gave him credit for obviously he was the butt of a lot of jokes and all that but I just always saw through those I don't know why I just thought at Liverpool he was he did a really good job and I thought at Celtic Celtic is yeah whatever it might be an easy job but I just always thought that Brendan Rodgers seemed like someone that really took everything into account and he he just seemed so invested in every job that he does, and usually they are success, uh, successful. And look at him. In a year and a bit, he's already, you know, implemented the style of football, almost, you know, completely changed off the squad. He has a new center back, a new right back. Um, you know, Ndidi is now definite starter, and in there, Madison, like, he's just, you know, he, he implemented so much in such short amount of time and that's exactly what the teams like United and Arsenal need. you need someone to come in and say okay this is exactly how we're going to play this is our philosophy and we're going to do it so far you know none of our teams have that kind of philosophy and Brendan Rodgers brought that to Leicester and you know as long as everyone around Leicester keeps playing as badly in the arsenals and United's and even Spurs to an extent then they don't have to be world beaters to finish in the top four they just have to be you know Chelsea maybe will be better but other than that they just have to be better than the other really bad teams around them and it's very possible I think
2: sorry let me just jump in really quick Alex just to just to say I agree with you Brennan Rodgers done a great job but that team indeed he came before him Madison came before him uh Johnny Evans came before him Vardy has been there so not to say that he didn't do something with them he did a wonderful job with those guys but the fact is that's that team is built to last whether he's there or not like Claude Puel didn't do, you know, didn't light up the world, but they were still around eighth at the time. Now they're building from there. If he goes and they bring someone else useful in, there is a structure there. There's a foundation there for that person to build on. And that's just a sign of great ownership, working with great management. And I think we really, really underestimate that.
1: That's greatness.
0: <laughs> that's a goat. Uh, and, uh, and that nearly sounded like a sheep. Um, no, I think I think that's a really good point. I I think that you know that maybe Rogers made one or two signings this summer. I mean, I, how much he had to do with Ricardo Pereira coming in, I don't know. But that's a bloody good signing. But Pereira was there last year under Puel, was he? Yeah, he wow, scored against Man mind.
2: City when they when they beat Man City.
0: Okay, never mind. Uh, who who did Rogers sign? Just pray.
2: No, no, but it's not about the signings. It's no, no, no I know, I know, I know. I'm just wondering now. I think uh, Soyuncu was he already there? Well, he oh, he was now? there. A oh, uh, prat, then, and Tillemans full time, I think.
0: Yeah, I guess so. But but uh, but that was part of the reason. And as you said, they're a well-run club, and and that was part of the reason that Rogers went there because he looked at that squad and he was like, "This is a young squad. This is an exciting team," and and he saw the potential. And that's that's the kind of work that the club can do to attract a manager that they might not have been able to get just based on their league position otherwise. You know.
1: Yeah, no they, he was he was sold on the project and like Bernie said he probably saw that they're doing really good work in the background and you know when when Man United came in calling for Maguire 80 million they knew that they had something else in their wings and they're going to be just fine
0: all right so let's move on Everton 1 Manchester City 3 Everton over the last few years have been one of the teams that actually can give Manchester City some trouble but they really didn't have much here
2: it was a st- um You know, it was a weird game. Fernandinho came back and played center back in this game, uh, which was, uh, you know, I mean, this only options that they have considering injuries. And Everton actually gave them a little bit of a tough time. I think the lack of defensive options showed a little bit. But as per usual, City were just too strong in the end. Uh, Sterling got his goal um, to please the Sterling world-class mob, of which we all belong, and the Sterling fantasy football uh, enthusiasts, to which most of us belong. Yeah. And uh, Kevin De Bruyne did another madness, thank God, to, to insult Mohamed's eyes. Um, and I think that's the only thing I'm happy for. I don't care how, how they happen. I just want him to rack up the assist
0: to annoy Mohamed. Sorry, Bunny, you cut out for a second there. What, what is it that De Bruyne did?
2: Uh, another assist. Thank you very much.
0: Hmm. Lovely stuff. Mohaned complaints?
1: Well, uh, yeah, it's actually complaints about Bernie, not De Bruyne at this time. (laughs) Um, The complaint is that every time I mention De Bruyne, Bernie literally just says he's going to beat the assist record mate. (laughs) And and then, but when I mentioned that Ozil somehow matched the assist record, it doesn't seem to matter. It's just like pick, at, at least pick one side and stick to it. Now all of a sudden the assist record matters?
0: Well, one of them still plays football and the other doesn't, so...
1: Yeah, well, one of them also has a World Cup and is the best player uh, for five years for his nation and, you know, has every assist record in the world and every single competition in the world, blah, 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 blah. And one of them doesn't play in the best team ever assembled in the Premier League. You know, there's a lot of stuff.
2: I'm so happy, Mosef, blah, 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 blah. blah. Just to emphasize the ridiculousness of his statement, as if winning a World Cup means anything to how good you are. Insert Paul Pogba. Anyway, City did a great job closing out this game. Uh Gabriel Jesus coming in and scoring a goal, meaning that it doesn't matter who you play up front for Man City, the system works. Uh in other news, uh Pap Guardiola is a complete and utter idiot. If he doesn't understand that saying that a guy with dark skin looks naked when he's walking down the street, you uh-huh. know, then that isn't a problem. Then I don't know what is. Like you can say that it's a joke between two people while also saying, yeah, but that was a racist joke. The two things are not mutually exclusive. And that's more interesting than the game as far as yeah.
0: uh, As far as apologies go, Justin Trudeau won. like Guardiola nil.
1: But um, ab- about the game, though, I thought uh, Mars played really well. Mars is killing it this season. He's playing slightly better than Bernardo Silva has uh, to start the season. Um, I mean, but this is the kind of options that City have. You know, when someone as good as Bernardo Silva isn't having a good start to the season, you have someone like Mars that just steps up, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think also Rodri has really taken to life in England um, very quickly and center mid is not an easy position and he's just been phenomenal for them for for a new signing, a signing, you know, getting used to a a, a physical league, a different league. I I think he's doing such a good job and he's a class player. He's,
0: he's, the ideal modern defensive midfielder and, and the perfect replacement for Fernandinho.
1: Yeah, and um, just before we move on, I have to say that if Pickford didn't have those little velociraptor arms, he might have saved a free kick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, while we're laughing at Everton, and, and I don't mean to laugh at anyone's literal pain, but Theo Walcott being stretched off because he got hit in the head with a ball is about the most Theo Walcott thing that could possibly
1: happen. I'd take him over Pepe right now. It it should have been get out. It it
2: should have been the most Xhaka thing to happen today, but just shows how much cla- how much m- more of a better player the Walcott is and Xhaka to take one in the face for the team.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he's not even captain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: let's move on to league leaders Liverpool, then, who have maintained their one hundred percent win record this season, all thanks this time to Dean Henderson. And his slippery hands.
2: I actually thought that um, Sheffield United acquitted themselves well in this game. I I don't think Liverpool played very well. Um, I thought my man Mane was poor. I thought Salah was poor. I thought Firmino. What did Firmino play? I don't remember. I I, I don't remember anything he did. Um, I don't know. Sheffield United actually probably should have scored the equalizer in this game. You know, Dean Henderson... He, he has a big ego on him for someone that hasn't done anything. And sometimes it, it's, you know, it kind of shows he should humble himself a little bit and just focus, but he is a generally, generally a good goalkeeper, but all in all, Liverpool, you know, that's that stupid cliche of you win games, even though you're playing bad at Senate champions. That was probably true, mm-hmm. on, true on today's evidence. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't really have anything to say about this game, except that sometimes you have to win this way. And Liverpool have added that to their game. So, you know, good job to them.
0: Can I just say, uh, um, Wilder, Sheffield United's manager, his, his quote on Dean Henderson was something. He said, if he wants to be a professional footballer, these things are going to happen. He already is. Um, <laughs> but if he wants to play for Tottenham, then he needs to do better. He needs to concentrate more. It's a disappointing day for him. I'm not going to put my arms around him. He simply needs to do better. <laughs> just... It's not a <laughs> manager just straight up calling them out. I quite enjoyed it.
2: I think that's I think that's a good shout. It's a really good call.
0: I like it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, anything else on, on this one?
1: Uh, not really. Just but, quickly, are, are, there, are either of
0: you convinced that Liverpool are going to maintain the, not necessarily maintain the hundred percent record, but stay at the top and win the league? Yes.
1: Well, how many how many points are they off right now? They are uh, five points already away and seven games in. So, you know, it's it's a sizable-ish lead after seven games.
0: It's not bad. It's really not bad. All right. Uh, Tottenham 2, Southampton 1. Spurs really needed this. Southampton also really needed it. They've been pretty terrible this season. Um, Serge Aurier did Serge Aurier things, though.
1: Yeah, was not this? This the one where oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um he <laughs> he's hilarious man like he's just funny like like last game he had that amazing goal that he scored that was 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 not the one that was chalked offside yeah yeah and then you know we thought okay there's something there and then this game he just you know two yellow cards in four minutes um was was something uh, it's quite
0: exceptional really especially like I'm just gone ahead. Ndombele scores. They do the whole like VAS celebration. They're doing it together. Everyone's delighted, and then he goes and basically ruins his team's game like within a few minutes.
1: Yep, yep. And then and then Lloris adds to that too. He- oh
0: man! J- just to contrast uh, the Chris Wilder statement with the Pochettino reaction to this, he said, "We don't need to blame Hugo. Blame me because I demand him to play in that way." Sorry, that was a horrendous Pochettino accent. I didn't put any effort into it, but um. Like, no, Uh, no. Yes, you demand they play out of the back, but he had about seven seconds on the ball and he completely lost track of where it was. That's not good enough.
1: Yeah, managers seem to like to do that where they try and take the blame. But like, I get you're trying to say this is what I've asked them to do from a general point of view. But, you know, it's like saying, well, I've asked my attackers to shoot. And then when he shoots it into row Z, you don't... (laughs) hey i told him to shoot it's like i know he told him to shoot but he also told him to score but it doesn't make any sense when they go yeah, yeah yeah this is my fault it's not your fault he could have just kicked it out he has, also has a brain but um, you know it's is getting more and more debatable by the week but like just, could have just kicked it out <laughs> by the anyway.
2: way that that reminded me of the of the i think in like the 10th minute of the united arsenal game when leno just booted the ball and the arsenal fans cheered i just thought that's that's properly funny like they were not here for this <laughs> pass in the box nonsense
1: this week it just it just shows you that the 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 average fan is you know they they understand football they get it you know like even even the united fans were cheering even even though it's not their team they know what's happening with the other team you know what i mean like the f- fans are smart they they get it
2: yeah yeah I, I um know.
1: and and then harry kane uh, scored quite a good goal i thought um bring it back to 2-1, assisted by Christine Erickson, which, you know, I'm surprised he was playing, seeing what sort of uh, he was going through. Uh, uh. But yeah, I'll, uh, I will slide with that because I'm sure Alex doesn't want to discuss it in detail. Um,
2: you but, mean him shagging Vertonghen's wife? No, the other way around.
1: Like allegedly. <laughs> the other <laughs> way around. It's, it's Vertonghen who shagged his wife. Second half, Southampton tried a little bit. Um, to get back into the game, especially with Spurs being... At, Sorry, at imagine men,
0: but, being no. a Southampton fan and like, the review of your team is, they tried a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and you paid for a ticket.
1: Well, and you paid for a ticket. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh,
2: I just heard, tried little bit. I <laughs> uh, What else do we have?
1: We've got uh, Chelsea beating... Chelsea are frustratingly competent.
0: Uh, Going forward.
1: Bro, results-wise, they're frustratingly competent. They're doing more than I thought they would be doing.
0: I mean, they beat Brighton. I mean, I get what you're saying. I thought Lampard might have a bit more trouble than this.
1: That's maybe from a Chelsea like the general point of view, but I just thought like Mason Mound is playing way better than I thought he would be playing and Tammy Abraham is playing way better than I thought I was playing. You know what I mean? Like just individual players stepping up and it's pissing me off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <It's an option laughs> they have the same amount of points as Christian Palace. Yeah, that's that's True.
2: what I was I was gonna say. Like they're they're they are over out overperforming and they are underperforming at the exact same time. Like, their first three or four games were completely rubbish and were only, what, <laughs> six games in, seven games in? Like, there's nothing to be cheering about with this Chelsea team right now. Chelsea's, like, uh, they are 14 goals for and 13 goals against. That is horrendous. It's
1: Chelsea Schrödinger. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Hudson Odoi has, uh, has come back the last couple of games. Uh, anyone excited to see him? I am a little bit.
1: He's, he's getting paid like three million pounds a week, man. Like he's yeah.
0: <laughs> well, remember we said it. Like we said, they would have to give him that to, to stop him going to Bayern or somewhere else. Yeah,
1: but like it's so much money for someone who hasn't played a full season of football yet.
0: He's barely played half a season of football. It's mental.
1: Like it's some people just like you know the stars align and these things come together and it just happens for you like Lingard you know like it just comes together man like the team is in a bad spot they can't afford any like another dude leaving no matter how good you are the fans still think you know you're an asset and you just get dumped money on you
2: guys i figured out the formula here it is Mm. you have 10 good performances, right? Score a bunch of goals. Your agent then makes up a bunch of rumors that Barcelona are interested in you or Juventus. And everyone goes, really? They really want this person? And then you go, look, see, these clubs want me and I've had 10 good games. You can't lose me, bitch. What are you going to do? And then you get a new contract. That's how it works.
0: Or you get a £72 million move to Arsenal. Oh, (laughs) boy.
1: Yeah, or, or you're po- Pogba and you're demanding like 300k a week to renew a contract when you've been playing like utter trash, like garbage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, garbage.
1: Oh, This is, this is garbage. <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, that's, that's the world we live in now. And like, you just need to find the right time to go on a run right before the transfer window opens. And you're right, Bernie. And then you've got it. You're, you're good to go. You're done. For,
2: for the record, he's only doing what he saw Ruben Loftus-Cheek doing. And Ruben Loftus-Sheik hasn't even had five shake games in a row where he's been useful. So Yeah, so he's also yeah, he's also this,
1: making function.
2: If this is Petr Cech's, uh, uh role as technical director, he needs to be fired <laughs> immediately.
0: <laughs> just handing out cash. He's, he's got it all in the hat. He just takes the hat off, hands the cash out, puts the hat back on.
1: Well, well, he doesn't they don't they don't say he wears a magic hat for nothing. <laughs>
0: Uh, the last Premier League game I want to touch on is Bournemouth 2, West Ham 2. Because West Ham, uh, as much as I think they're a ridiculous football club, they are fifth. Same points as Arsenal. Uh, and probably performing better.
1: West Ham.
0: West Ham. Uh, like, uh, yeah, and like, a draw with Bournemouth, who, Mohamed, you've been impressed with this season.
1: Well, well, I'm just sorry. You, you know, you guys mentioned the whole Palace, same as Chelsea and Spurs, and, you know, West Ham are fifth. And when you start to look at these numbers, you know, Leicester City are two points away from Manchester City. Like, the, the points right now with seven games is actually insanity when you look at these stats, right? Like, they none of them make sense. Um, but, yes, like, Bournemouth, I've always liked them. I've always had a soft spot for uh, for their manager, whatever his name is. I can't remember now.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a soft spot for them, but I don't know who you are.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I think I think they try to play good football. And whether they achieve it or not every time, they're just so up and down. But when they click, they look good going forward. I,
2: I have a lot less time for Bournemouth than you do because I, I get it. They like to play good football, if we want to call it that, and all that. But I'm not here for this praise of uh, Eddie Howe, considering the stupi- stupid money he has spent like compared to his competitors he spent like Dominic Solanke like who started this game back like, Jordan Ive all these people like he spent 20 plus million on people like this and they and they were 14th last season 12th the season before look like, I bet
1: I no. bet you anything I bet you anything he's so upset he couldn't capture the signing of Danny Ings I bet you anything he really is <laughs> He's just sitting there going, we got some like you, we got I, but I just needed that. La-. You know, he's like, what's that? What's that superhero dude that collects the gems? Thanos. He's that dude. He's just trying to collect, like, Liverpool region.
2: And you know what? 20 million is his soft spot. So I'm surprised that like, he didn't he didn't get that guy in there for that.
1: Yeah. Um, but also, speaking of Ings, just, I remember, like, the way Ings celebrated, like, getting that goal versus Loris. Like, I was like, mate, relax. Like, come on, man. Like, pick your moments, you know? Like, he's way too much for nicking the ball off a drunk keeper.
0: Imagine, imagine (laughs) celebrating that if it was in the center of the pitch.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Someone just makes a tackle and then goes running around like a nut.
1: (laughs) Also, he also missed, like, an open goal that game. He missed an absolute open goal and a cross came in, fizzed in beautifully. And he, oh my God, like, like his, hat, his eye foot coordination was a disgrace. Like I replayed that moment like 10 times. And like how late he stretches his leg relative to when he shifts leg like, is so like unprofessional. And like, it's actually insulting to everybody watching.
0: Yeah, that was a disgrace. Um, quickly on West Ham, is anyone impressed?
1: Oh,
0: no.
2: sorry, we were talking about West Ham, yeah. <laughs> uh, le- less so. The, it, I think Leicester can keep going. I don't think West Ham can.
1: Yeah, but you're um, Malenko, mate. The seven-foot winger.
2: It's a, only a matter of time before he twists his ankle again like a mug, so there's <laughs> nothing there. Um, I'm, I don't believe in West Ham whatsoever. Chelsea, Tottenham, maybe United and Arsenal will all finish above them. That's not a problem to me
0: enough. All right, quick recap. Uh, the top six looks like this. Liverpool, City, Leicester, Arsenal, West Ham and Spurs. Chelsea and Bournemouth and Crystal Palace just behind them. And then Manchester United in 10th on the same points as Burnley. All right, that will do it for the Premier League and for this podcast. Uh, Bernie Mohamed, anyone got any exciting plans this week?
1: I was in Montreal last weekend. Ooh, how was that? Good, good. It's starting to get chilly over there, but it was, it was a fun time. We had actually a lot of fun. Um, this weekend, nothing much. Going to see the Cirque du Soleil soon. Oh, That's... not bad. Yeah, I do that every year. It's amazing. Yeah, 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 it's an annual visit for you. Yeah, I used to go to Montreal when they didn't come to Toronto. That's how dedicated I was. Damn. Oh, you get yeah. like away support as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I sit in the <laughs> away and, in Montreal. <laughs> uh,
0: Bernie, what's up with you? How's Paul?
1: Uh, he
2: is great. I'm going to go see how he's doing, whether he's sleeping uh, but he's growing and he is starting to like move his feet in the kicking motion, which is amazing for me. So, yep, Perfect. our agency
0: can get started. Let us know when he's ready for training. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com.